Hello and welcome to this special bonus episode of the Book Wars Pod. Uh, this is our 15th bonus episode, and today we are going to be talking about Star Wars Resistance, which, if you don't know what it is, you really should. Uh, if you don't know what it is, please fix you. your life. <laughs> um, no, so Resistance just ended its first season. It is uh, currently the only animated show running on, uh, only animated Star Wars show running. Yes. Uh, and it airs every week. It takes place before slash during the timeline of The Force Awakens, as we will get into. Um, and really, it's fantastic. As somebody who liked Clone Wars and got really attached to Rebels by the end, this is like some of my favorite Star Wars content since The Last Jedi. I'm like, I'm obsessed with this show. Which is which is saying a lot, because Chris is one of those people who actually enjoyed The Last Jedi. Controversy! Uh. <laughs> Uh, but we're joined today by Allie, yay, from hey. <laughs> uh, the Knights of Ren pod. So we are super happy to have you here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, this is, no, this is great. I've been like, um, kind of like looking for a reason to have you on the pod, like to talk about <laughs> animated stuff, because I know like you're super, you're super into it. And of course, Knights of Ren is spelled W-E-R-N because of yeah. Rebels. <laughs> um <laughs> So no, this is this is gonna be super fun. Yeah, it's good. It's we haven't talked about animation in a while because it's been a minute since Rebels ended. So it's right, nice. Yeah, and uh, Kristen and Miranda are uh, fucking slackers and decided to Ugh. not be watching this because I don't know. <laughs> Yo, there's so many. It's so frustrating because there's so many people who are not watching the show yeah. who, like, should be, who, like, either watched Rebels or watched Clone Wars or, like, is interested in this period in time in the Star Wars timeline. And they're just, like, for whatever reason, not watching it. I think part of it's that it's on the Disney Now app, which not everybody is super familiar with. I think part of it is that people are just kind of waiting for The Mandalorian and Disney+. Plus. Part of it is that the app sucks. So, yeah, the, Disney, the Disney Now app is not good. <laughs> I really hope Disney Plus isn't a catastrophe yes. when it launches. <laughs> it's going to take us like a week after it actually launches to be able to watch The Mandalorian. It's fine. Um, we'll all be in the same complaining boat. Yeah. <laughs> but if you are a listener and you have not yet watched Resistance, please do so. It's do really it. good. <laughs> it got renewed for season two. Thank um, God. So it's, you know, it seems like it has a strong enough following, but we got to make sure that it stays on for as long as they want to keep telling the story. Yes, please. Speaking of the story, shall we dive in? Yeah, let's do it. So uh, do we want to start with just like general likes, dislikes about the season? Um, I want to hug this show because uh, it's delightful. Oh, we should mention. Um, so if you've listened to this pod before, uh, usually we do a what are you drinking right now? Um, Allie is not allowed to have adult beverages at this point. <laughs> I'm having tea. Yeah, so we're having so we're so in in honor of our wonderful guest who is living the realest life. We are doing sober pod, uh, <laughs> but we have tea. We do have tea. We have stash tea. It is the Portland blend. For those who are curious, 
It is delicious. Allie, are you having any? No. <laughs> All right. See, because Allie is metal as fuck. Yeah, I mean it's it's okay because Kristen's not here to yell at her. So. I mean, Kristen can't yell at her though. Kristen yelled at me plenty of times when I didn't have a drink. Yeah, but that's because it's you. We're allowed to yell at you. Uh, this is this classic uh, double standard for men that I hear so much about on the oh internet. Oh my god. All right. Allie, <laughs> what are your thoughts about, what have you what have you really enjoyed about this show? A lot of stuff, obviously. I mean, yes. it's, just, it's really just such a fun show. I mean, it's... At least it started very lighthearted, which some people didn't necessarily like, but I more so kind of liked it a bit, because, like, a lot of the mm-hmm. humor was really funny. Like, Niku is the purest thing ever, and from yes. it's just, like, the best. And I love Tora, and I love Kaz, and I, I just love all the characters' interactions, just like with Rebels. I say this all the time. I just love characters' interactions, and so it's just really cool to see that and to see a different kind of... Um, timeline because we with each of the animated shows we follow like different parts of the timeline and we get to see like the different kinds of interactions depending on the timeline which i think is really cool um i really enjoyed being able to see kaz grow a lot through this season especially because like he's put in this position where he's like, oh, you're going to be a spy, and you're going to have to, like, search and find this, like, first order spy on the station, and it's just really funny to see all his little spy antics and trying to figure things <laughs> out, and while trying to balance his, like, crazy life of trying to all of a sudden be a mechanic, which did not end well for him, <laughs> because he struggles a lot with that, but yeah, it was just it's just a really fun show to see the different characters interacting and their little stories with spying and mechanic shenanigans and fl- racing and all that different kinds of stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. I think it's definitely a show that has like, I feel like it's more so than maybe the uh, previous two animated shows. Um, of course, the Clone Wars and Rebels. I think it's one of the shows that has a little something for everybody. Um, mm. Just because obviously like the show, the, the primary audience is children, obviously it, in case you couldn't tell because it's a kid's show. Um, <laughs> uh, but there's definitely plenty, plenty of stuff in there for grown-ups. And um, so Chris and I have been uh, helping out with the episode-by-episode episode, uh, reviews for the Tashi Station blog. And, um, you know, I know what we've written about how the show is at once, like like you said, like super lighthearted, but also is not afraid to go to these dark places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and what I love about that especially is that um, it's the show creators are really trusting that kids can still like understand. Like I, I, I remember I um, wrote about the episode where um, Eager's brother pops up. And of course that goes to like really, really dark places because spoiler alert, Marcus kind of killed Eager's entire family. <laughs> Ah, um, but you know, it, it's, I, I, one of the things that I think people don't really understand about young children is that they can actually handle a lot as long as it's explained to them on a level that is like appropriate for them. And so I just, I like that it t- it's taking that to heart and it's taking that kind of risk, but also obviously when you go to those places, then there's plenty for adults as well. And, oh my god, Precious Niku, my baby. Yeah. I just, like, I want to wrap him in a blanket and rock him to sleep. Like, yes. <laughs> Yeah. I like to 
re- to uh, second and build on what you were saying, Kate. Um, so anybody who has read my either tweets back when I was on Twitter or specifically some Tashi reviews of Resistance that I've done over the course of this season knows that one of my big things with this show is that I feel like it has so much more of a sense of identity already through one season than Rebels ever had, and frankly, than Clone Wars had it a lot of times. Clone Wars, what were you doing sometimes? I mean, Clone Wars... (laughs) We could write entire books on Clone Wars' sense of identity and why it happened and why it didn't exist, and there's... Like, that's that's a whole different thing. Which is, like, just to make clear that, like, we... We super love both Clone Wars and Rebels. Like we're not like we 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 critique with love. <laughs> no, Clone Wars doesn't have a sense of identity because George Lucas didn't create Clone Wars to have a sense of identity. He created it to have a sandbox, and that's fine. Like he's the creator. He wanted to do that. He did what he wanted to do. That's there's nothing wrong with that. I think for me, one thing that I noticed particularly when I was watching Rebels is that they could never quite get the balance between do they want this to be a fun show where nothing matters or do they want this to like move the plot of the Skywalker saga forward? And to me, at least, I never saw them getting that balance right. And you would, you would kind of have like, is this week going to be a fun week or a serious week? Like, you know what I mean? Uh, and so... Kaden dying. Definitely not. A fun week. Definitely yeah, a fun week. Super fun. So I always... <laughs> There were, there were pretty colors. Wow. Thanks Super a lot fun. for that. Super fun. Jesus. <laughs> but they saw each other again. Anyway. I hate you so much right but now. But in Resistance. Oh, I'm going to throw you off the balcony. But in. Oh my God. Resistance. Um, <laughs> I felt pretty early on, like even by this mid-season finale, that like the showrunners on this one seem to have a better sense of what exactly they want to be doing with this show. Like they have... It's definitely, at the start, felt more kitty. Like, it felt, you know, silly. You have Niku, obviously. Kaz is the worst spy. Oh, my God. Uh, you have, oh yes. uh, <laughs> yeah. like, you have Yeager in your stereotypical sitcom dad, I don't want to deal with it, deal with any of this uh, I, mode. Tag yourself, I'm Yeager. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, like, the, the comedic elements are set up, but it also very quickly blends those in with seriousness and we have the children of tahar coming in who are like that's a silly episode because we're dealing with the the slow space turtles but like also they're fleeing a massacre and like they're fleeing the destruction of their village and maybe their world and so it's very quickly kind of established that it wants to be a balanced show that tackles these darker topics but in a way that's accessible very much like you were saying kate and to me like knowing what you want to do with the show opens up so many more doors from a storytelling perspective. Yeah, definitely. Um, just to talk about, honestly, the showrunners for a hot second, because that's really significant. And one of the things I really like about the show is, um, so Dave Filoni was, um, you know, driving the car for both uh, the Clone Wars and Rebels. And uh, this time he's ta- taking a step back because he's super duper in- even more important than Lucasfilm Animation now. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's being produced by Athena Portillo, which is very, very exciting because we've never had a woman, obviously, helm one of uh, the Star Wars cartoons. And another thing is that we that we were super excited about, I know, when uh, the show was announced, was that the cast was going to be super diverse, which actually showed up on screen in the characters. Like, we had David Oyelowo playing Callus, but of 
you know, in Rebels, but Callus is a white dude, and I was like, what? Yes, it's still one of the weirdest castings. I know, right? Like, I didn't find that out until, like, season three, and then I was just like, excuse the fuck out of me. What's going on here? (laughs) This Uh. is fascinating. Um, But yeah, I, I love that the diversity of the cast is actually reflected on the screen. Obviously, you've got um you know like very visible black characters you've got um the dozas who are very very visible latinx characters who are just not afraid to be just like like that's just super super on the screen just you know captain doza's accent and the way that you know torah talks is you know the ways that like um the uh you know the dominican and puerto rican kids that i grew up with in my my particular neighborhood in the bronx like that's how they talked because you know their parents were immigrants and they couldn't speak english and you know there's like when you learn imperfect english to start with yeah, like it's you an never... inflection yeah exactly it's exactly that like that's it's a cultural thing and it's like it's super important and it actually like shows up and you know aside from that we get like so many alien species which is very exciting to me um you know being uh secondary characters and we have Flix and Orca, my Galian uncles, <laughs> whom I love very much. Like, that's, it's super cool. I love, I love that. Ugh, now I just, I'm really hoping we get through Celebration without, like, Filoni just, like, pulling a JK Rowling and just being like, they're just really good friends who oh, visit oh, each other's no. parents. <laughs> no, no, no. That is unacceptable. Literally, literally the most explicit queer representation we've ever gotten in Star Wars in these two. Like. Yes. Let us just just let us have this. I know. Just, just, it's just a children. Stop. It's a children's show. We're not asking for like uh, Shadra fan whatever flicks is like gratuitous sex scene. Let us have <laughs> oh, this. Gosh. <laughs> why? 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 I don't think I want that ever. Honestly. <laughs> Kate, Kate, Kate thinks through all the fanfic potentials just so she can be very very uh, sure that she's telling the truth uh-huh. when she says she does not want I, this. No, I don't want this. <laughs> I don't want this. I've seen some weird stuff in my time. We don't have to get into that right now. Any fucking ways. <laughs> During um, the dark times. What? During the dark times. Dude, I survived the Harry Potter shipping wars. <laughs> you you know, you sure did. Allie's like, Allie right now, you're just like, you're so fucking old. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then I think one last thing that I want to mention in terms of like stuff that I liked overall, I love the animation style so much. I do too. People were like very down on that yeah. when the show first got announced and came out. I don't know, Allie, what do you think? No, I literally had like some dude reply to me. I like tweeted about Resistance last summer and some dude replied to me, but like, oh, the art's crappy. I don't want to watch it. Why would you like it? The art's terrible. I'm like, what? Oh. Excuse me? Oh my God. Like seriously. I was like, all right. <laughs> I just, number one, way to be wrong, dude, bro. Number yeah. two, aggressive. <laughs> like, okay, interesting. No, I love, I love that it's like, you can tell, you can tell what they meant when they said it was going to be like anime inspired, but it's mm-hmm. got a little bit of a 3D pop to it. And it, there's so many pretty colors, like, and I mean this like sincerely, like it's, it's a very colorful show, um, which I think is fun, especially like after, I mean, obviously settings like Lothal were kind of more monotone for a reason because mm-hmm. that was just what the terrain yep. was like but it was super fun to see like actual you know we're talking about um racing and stuff like <laughs> you want you want some flash in there so that's super fun um anything we haven't liked um 
there's not there's nothing I haven't liked. There's stuff that I would have liked to see that I'm confident I will see. Mm-hmm. So like there's stuff that I said throughout the season I wanted more about Tam. Now that we know that Tam has and obviously all anytime we're talking about something we're using spoilers uh, and I think we spoiled a few things already but like this is about to go pod. into the major <laughs> About to go into the major spoiler of the finale, so like if somehow <laughs> yeah. you made it this far and you're like, oh, they're doing spoilers, uh, you should stop listening now. <laughs> just run away. <laughs> um, however, I think with Tam and with the reveal at the end that she is going over to the First Order, oh, Tam. I think I have to assume that we are going to get a lot more about her feelings and her motivations behind that decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we just didn't really get a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, and, I and I would just like to see more to see her more fully fleshed out. As a character, because we have a lot of we have a lot of Kaz, we have a decent amount of Niku, and actually a surprising amount of Tora, mm-hmm. more than I expected, which is great, uh, which is amazing. Yeah. But love her. I think I think there's there's so much possibility and potential with Tam. Mm-hmm. Ellie, do you have any quibbles? <laughs> um, I agree with the Tam thing definitely. Um, a lot of I mentioned this in my notes, but a lot of the times we see Tam, it's mostly just like annoyed with Kaz. I'm just annoyed with Kaz. Why is no one telling me anything? Kaz, yeah. Kaz, Kaz, Kaz. And mm-hmm. so, like, it's... I really hope that next season we do get to see a lot more of Tam and, like, more sides than just being annoyed with Kaz for once, which will hopefully be nice to see. Yeah. So, yeah. And Definitely. then, um... This isn't really, like, I hate this kind of thing, but for me, personally, like, you said we had a lot of dark... We had some dark stuff throughout the show, but... I felt like the, it went. It was like very like light. Here's some dark stuff, light stuff, dark stuff, light stuff, and then like the very last like maybe like three or so episodes, it's like bam. Here all of a sudden we're like destroying planets and we're in the Force Awakens. All of a sudden like everything's going crazy, and I thought that was just like okay, whoa, here we are. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess looking back, I did see that yeah, there was more buildup than I might have not noticed, but it did feel like it was pretty crazy. And then also. I didn't get a chance to say this earlier, but tying back when you said when I was, um, that I'm much younger than you guys, and mm-hmm. tying back into the thing that, like, kids can, like, understand the more dark stuff of this show, I remember, because I am younger, I was, like, uh, mm. 10 or something, and I'd watch, like, The Clone Wars on, like, Cartoon Network with my brother, mm-hmm. and as a kid, I, I mean, I wasn't that young, but, like, I still... Um, I understood some things that maybe looking back as a 10-year-old, I'm proud of myself for understanding, and, like, I yeah. didn't think the dark stuff was, like, overwhelming or anything. So, like, it's definitely, I think that they're bouncing, that being able to do, like, have these dark stuff where, like, yes, planets are dying and Kaz is, like, super sad because his parents died or whatever, like, but that's, that's stuff that kids can, like, understand. It's not bad or anything and they're ba- able to bounce that with like the lighter stuff so it's definitely like makes it a good show for kids i agree mm-hmm. with that. absolutely yeah agree completely absolutely i have one i'm sorry i'm gonna go off topic real off outline real quick kate because i have a question that i just thought of now loud you're fired based on <laughs> branching off of what ali was talking about yeah. so i think one of the one of the things we try to talk about in our podcast is like how we like how the whole universe is inter- interconnected and i think one thing that not we've received pushback on, but like uh, the other side of that argument is that it makes it less accessible and harder to enter at any given point because there's so much more that you need to know. Um, I My personal view is that like to do it right, 
each entry point needs to exist in and of itself and then can branch off from there. So how do we feel? Obviously, we're all into Star Wars. We did not begin Star Wars with this animated TV show. But how do we feel Resistance is as an entry point, maybe for its target audience of, you know, 8, 12, 14-year-olds? Mm-hmm. Let's, let's call it there. Um, I, th- I mean, I think it's good because unlike, you know, maybe um, something like The Clone Wars, there are, I think for that show, there's some, like, assumption that you have a basis in the yeah. prequel movies, mm-hmm. like, that you've seen them at some point, uh, whereas, you know, a, a show like this or a show like Rebels, it's a completely new cast of characters. Yeah. And you're you're getting to know them, you know, like as new characters and i think you know this i think uh resistance especially does a great job of introducing them and you know slowly building things up uh one of the things i i remember um chris when you and i were talking when the show started was that oh geez there's so many characters like how are we gonna do this like how is it gonna (laughs) Mm -hmm. like is it gonna be confusing how's it gonna work all together and what and um one thing that the show has been a little bit criticized for that i don't necessarily agree with personally because this is I'm fine with these things in my stories, but you know, it, it's kind of a slow burn, right? Like yeah. it's, it's a very slow buildup. Um, I think um, the show does a fairly good job of kind of building up um, the sense of dread you really feel around the first order until they actually arrive. And then they start cracking down like more and more and more. And then of course they blow up the Hoskin yeah. system because they're great. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think it, I think I think it's a great entry point just because it's it's does that slow building and it um when it's creating the world and the characters it's just kind of like putting layer on layer on layer and you know if you're a kid and you saw The Force Awakens and you know who Poe is that's just kind of a bonus for you. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I totally agree with that. Like just like what you said like with both Rebels and this show having a completely new cast unlike with like Clone Wars where it's like oh here's Anakin and Obi-Wan and they know all these things that they experienced in like the films before this and like Mm -hmm. they're like totally like blah 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 they're going on these adventures and it's like they kind of more so expect you to know like this is the clone wars this is what blah 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 blah. with rebels in this show you can definitely tell that it's like these are these new characters this is how they're like learning to fit into the time period and the experiences they're having to deal with like in this case with the first order and definitely with that slow build like they give a lot more time before the First Order arrives, where it's just like, oh, we're fighting pirates. This is our, like, daily life, where we're just, like, having races and fighting pirates, and this is how we interact as, like, mechanics and store people and whatever. But Mm -hmm. we definitely get that build-up, and then we get to see, eventually, that tie-in to the First Order, and it definitely, like, helps you enter this point of, this is the point of Star Wars that we're at, this is how the characters are having to come to deal with it. And then... As either being able to see, like you said, with the planets blowing up, with Hosni and Prime blowing up, it helps both new fans and fans who'd already previously watched this stuff with how now Kaz has this connection to Hosni and Prime. It, as a viewer, helps us now have like more of an emotional connection to that scene for both The Force Awakens and for the show, which I think mm-hmm. is really cool, too. Absolutely. Yeah. That. Yes. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that this has been a really good show that is you can really drop in, drop out at mm-hmm. any time because like all you need to know to drop in is it's sequel trilogy, 
takes place right before episode seven. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Yep. Like, but then now that we're into season two, like season two really has so much potential into where it can go. Where's the Colossus? <laughs> um, just because like all we know is that this is presumably happening after I'm I'm assuming that season two is gonna open after the events of The Last Jedi. Probably. Yeah. But who knows? Like who knows? It could it could happen during and they'll, you know, rendezvous with the Falcon or something or like there's there's certainly ways they could tie it in, but I'm assuming it'll be after. They went back in time. No, I'm Oh Jesus. (laughs) Too early for a war between worlds. Um But yeah, so like I think that this is like a great jumping off point for like if a kid is marginally interested in Star Wars, but then likes this medium better to then get them more interested in, oh, these characters are cool. Poe's really cool. I love Kaz. Like, presumably there's going to be some more Resistance tie-in lit or a game or something coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want, I want them to update a racer game. <laughs> I want them, I want them to come out with Star Wars Resistance Racer. That would be so fucking fun. <laughs> I I would be terrible at it and crash into everything because Chris has watched me play Mario Kart. It's not pretty, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, why would you say that? No, I just I want that now. I wonder. I need to look at the celebration schedule a little more and see if there are like panels where it's companies just being like, other than this main, uh, what's it called, Jedi Fallen Order panel. Like, here's what else we're working on. Ha ha ha. Because like I I don't think they're gonna announce a new game at the Jedi Fallen Order panel because that's not their that's not their style. But. No, also why would you do that? <laughs> um, I'm still not convinced Jedi Fallen Order is ever coming out, but it's fine. I mean, EA games. Uh... <laughs> right. Anyway, moving on. Yes. Um, shall we talk about characters? Yeah. All right, let's do it. Um, Allie, like you were saying. Um, one of the, I mean, one of my favorite things about all the animated shows is the relationships between the characters and, like, how they grow and change and, um, you know, how all of them interact with each other. So we're going to spend a bit of time doing, diving in a little bit. Um, so I wanted to talk about, um, Team Fireball first. Uh, so, oh, Kaz. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so... I remember when the show first started, and even now, um, Kaz has been compared to being an Ezra-like character in that he is um, kind of our, like, he, because he, he kind of is the audience, right? He's, yeah. um, he's our entry point. We're seeing everything through his eyes because he's super new, as Ali said, has no idea what the hell he's doing. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he's, he's the Luke Skywalker of this particular adventure. Right, exactly. Um, but, uh, there, you know, there's been a little bit of discussion about, um, you know, between Kaz and Ezra's quote unquote likability as characters. And, um, Allie, don't punch me in the face when you see me in Chicago for this, but like Ezra has never been my favorite. (laughs) Um, he's, he's a difficult character for me to like, um, I think because, uh, we talked about this a little bit when we, um, talked about rebels after the series finale but i and you know this is i think uh, probably could be attributed to chris what you were talking about about you know rebels not quite always knowing where it was going maybe necessarily mm-hmm. um as was character growth or you know like thereof or whatever you want to call it was kind of frustrating for me and 
Um, there's just kind of the difference between him and Kaz, I think, is that with Kaz, there's kind of an earnestness there that really appeals to me, um, which is, you know, kind of childlike and like how naive he can be about certain things. But also, I mean, he's just like, he's just got so much, he's just got so much like fundamental goodness in him, like right up front that I think I just, he's just a sad baby who I want to hug. I don't know. <laughs> no, I think there's something to that. And I think looking at Kaz, because you're right, he is, he is just fundamentally light side. Like, he is the embodiment of light side. And unfortunately, he's a klutz and he doesn't know what he's doing, but his heart is always in the right place. Whereas, pretty much from the jump, that was not really true with Ezra. Like, obviously, Ezra wasn't a bad guy, but, like, he's, you know, hashtag, you know, street rat, hashtag Aladdin. But, like, <laughs> he's stealing the, I don't even, blasters, I guess, uh, from Phoenix Squadron. And then he's stealing the holocron from kanan and like he's going around he's never really comfortable still wants to be on his own and you have these i don't know so one of the slight tangent one of the things that always bugs me about ezra is that the, like this he had this just huge canvas that you could paint his character on and i just don't really feel like they ever went out of one specific corner Mm -hmm. because to me, like, you have the fact that he grew up on the streets, so, like, anyone who grows up on the streets is, like, moral moral absolutes are not really things that they have the privilege of having. You're going to have a bad time, yes. <laughs> and so you already have that aspect of him. You have the aspect of how much he hates the Empire, just from a personal revenge standpoint. You have the aspect of trying to become a Jedi, but he does have this revenge in his heart. Obviously, Maul makes it even worse, and then he feels the guilt for what happens to Kanan. And he, you know, flirts with the dark side a little bit in the beginning of season three, but then nothing ever comes of that randomly. Um, <laughs> so, and then, and then, like, it feels like he just never really learns anything or changes. There's no growth there. Like, he feels, honestly, to me, he felt in the finale like the same kid he felt like in the premiere. And I, and that's, I know that's not something that everybody agrees with, but, like, for me, that was kind of how I felt about it. And so it just felt like they, like, didn't let him grow or didn't give him the opportunities to grow as much as he could have to be a full character. Whereas Kaz, I feel he's grown a lot. Like Even in one season. Even yeah. in one season, exactly. Like, obviously, his motivations were always, I'm a puppy dog, I'm going to protect the New Republic. But, like, <laughs> he's gotten better at spying, he's gotten better at lying, but he feels incredibly guilty about it. Mm -hmm. Like, he feels really guilty for the way he's treating Tam the entire season. Yep. He you know, is kind of having his own pathetic lovelorn adventures where he really wants to get with Sonara and she just has no interest in him whatsoever. Uh, it's time for you to plug your ship. <laughs> oh, yeah, because she's interested in Tam. Make it happen. Team, team Tanara. Anyway. Team Tanara. But yeah, so like, I, I just feel like we already got so much more growth from this happy-go-lucky, klutzy kid to, you know, now very light side still mediocre spy at best but like committed has seen unspeakable tragedy at this point because he had to watch the destruction of his home world oh god that poor child like see an experience that he has shared with one leia organa mm-hmm yeah which uh uh yeah oh god i need to go lie on the floor and cry now thank yeah. you for that so like it'll be i'm really interested to see where his development is going to go because it is such a pre like it is at such a premium so far this show yeah definitely 
Allie, what are your Kaz thoughts? I have Kaz thoughts. I'm not going to join the Ezra hate train. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I understand all your points on that th- still, though. But yes, I don't necessarily agree with all them. No, that's fair. <laughs> that is cool. That is. Um, I agree with the Kaz growth a lot. Um, I'm go to this resistance watch group with like a bunch of our friends on Twitter and we like watch resistance together like every Sunday. And we were talking about this a lot after the finale about how we know that they might not have time necessarily to put this into the season, but now that Kaz has faced this um, tragedy with Hosnian Prime, we're all like hoping, really hoping to like, not only is Kaz faced growth already, but we want to see like more of that, I guess, growth. Cause like, Yes, he's still, like, kind of lighthearted and stuff, but we're really, we were hoping at first to see, in season two, to see some grief, but if they jump ahead, obviously that might not be as at the forefront, but as we talked about in the Kanan episode, like, just getting to see a character's grief and processing of something, it's just really powerful, but if Mm -hmm. we don't get that, we're hoping to at least see more of that growth and, like, how that's necessarily affected him and how he, like, affects his view on like certain situations or his actions or just how he acts in in relation to like other things Mm -hmm. but yeah and it's yeah so that's for season two and then in season one i definitely agree with the growth it was like really cool to see his growth as he like tried to become a better mechanic even though he like kept screwing up and he (laughs) kept trying to become a better spy even though he would struggle with it sometimes and but he still did manage to accomplish a number of things. Like, he did manage to find information that was very helpful that he could get to Poe. And he did manage to, like, help some other characters, like, solve some problems and helped the children of Tahar and helped other people. And we did get to see that growth in his, like, different stages of, oh, I'm learning this now and I'm learning this. And there'd be, like, a lot of different interactions between him and Yeager that I really enjoyed, and there was some, like, good dialogue exchange between them where you could really see the growth and how Kaz was coming to learn different things through these experiences he was going through, which I thought was really cool. Absolutely. Totally. Definitely. Um, One other thing I think I want to point out, maybe two things (laughs) I want to point out about Kaz, um, is that he, you know, he fully acknowledges, especially in the later episodes, that he comes, you know, as as his past, um, his or rather his actual like personal details get revealed is that he comes from a place of privilege and it, you know, it, it's because, you know, his dad's a senator and he, you know, he, he was, he was the good child and he did everything that everything correctly. You know, he went to the academy and was a pilot. He was not a good Asian who became doctor, but you know, he's, he's doing all right. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's nice th- to see him realistically struggle with being on his own and having to, like, for example, manage his own money and work for a living, or, you know, not manage his own money, as the case may be. Good God. <laughs> yeah, speaking of relatable. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. Just like... Hello, Hansi. We will have three waters. <laughs> a goddamn mood. I know. It was so fucking real. I was screaming i was just like uh it's me in college uh i know like here's your crystal ball alley um but uh yeah i it was i don't know i just like i like that realism that like thought that got put into that and the other thing is that you know kaz's 
definitely, you know, bumbling, he's learning, uh, but I love, 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 love how in the season finale, he, um, he's the one who gets to just, like, take Bonrig out, because he actually, like, Mm -hmm. he, you know, the reason why he was in the New Republic Navy, and the reason why he got recruited to the Resistance is because he's actually a good pilot, um, which is not necessarily always, um, like, on display, like, he might be a good pilot, but of course, next to Poe, anybody looks like a fucking chump, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> like, it doesn't matter who you are. Um, but I, I like that we get to see his chops and, like, how smart he is about, like, actually, you know, strategizing and things like that. It's just that, obviously, throughout the season, he's been doing stuff that's outside of his comfort zone and, you know, not his forte. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I remember, like, going off of what you said, I remember back in the beginning, we'd see him, like, complain a lot more or like be mm. a, a bit more annoyed like he'd be like why am i doing this i was sent here to be a spy i should yes. be spying not working or he'd be like why can't i race i just want to fly and do fun stuff and like and then you get to see that he throughout the season he like comes to be like more like okay no i have to work now this is not just about me spying and like yeah he really does come to see that growth and like not just complain and be like oh i'm i'm resistance i'm like so cool i should be able to do all these things and he comes to more be like okay so i have to work and i have to earn money and i have to wait and then i'll get a chance to spy and i have to wait some more and then i'll get a chance to fly and he does get to like grow through that throughout the season which is cool yeah yeah totally that what a great fucking point that is that no that's that's awesome Definitely. Can we talk about Tam or are you going to cry, Chris? Ugh, Tam. <laughs> My girl. I know. What are she's, you doing? She's like, she's Chris, she's like Chris's favorite character, so he's just oh. like... <laughs> uh, she is. Oh, and she still is. Like, on, oh, so, yeah. So I guess we are ready to talk about Tam because I'm going to start talking about Tam. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> go for it. Um, so I actually, from a storytelling perspective and like as a viewer of the show who wants the show to move forward, I'm actually really glad that she chose the First Order. Just from a story perspective. Just from a story perspective of I want to see what it's like on the inside. I want to see what it's like for her and how a, you know, in general, a good person like Tam can be manipulated into doing this like that. Mm -hmm. From a fan perspective of wanting Tam to just be good and pure and safe in my (laughs) arms. Like, I just, I wish she hadn't done that. But I think that it makes sense because now it sets up some really interesting possibilities. Like, is she going to stay with the First Order? Is she going to go, like, First Order, are they going to indoctrinate her? Is she going to realize she's made a mistake and try and get out and redeem herself? Like, there's so many possibilities here. Or she could be their spy on the inside. Or she could be their spy on the in- inside. <laughs> no, th- no, there's there's so many possibilities for her character. And you know, I, I think the first season has, in retrospect, um, you know, n- knowing now where her character is going, has done a good job of giving us, like, kind of, like, tastes of Tam's past, you know, like how she used to be really close with Hype, um, how you know the the, the really, how she viewed her relationship with Yeager, um, you know, all these things kind of come together, and it really makes sense why she would want to join the First Order because she feels isolated, she feels lied to, she feels betrayed, and you know, knowing too that her family. Um, not necessarily supported the Empire, but worked for it, because she mentions that her grandpa worked in a an Imperial factory of some sort. Like, it, it, it makes sense 
everything, like, why she would go to the First Order. But at the same time, you know that these reasons aren't, like, evil reasons. They're yeah. just... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a good reminder. And, like, as we're reading on our, our main episodes, as we're reading Empire's End, like, and kind of dealing with the fact that people have different views of how much of a threat the Empire is at this point. And it's interesting because you do get this view that we haven't seen before of, like, the Emperor as just the institution like you know if you're on a planet that doesn't have any you know hugely rare or massive resources like you could have lived a super normal life like just you know working in a factory working in a mine doing whatever just administrated by the empire and you would never know that they were bad and you would you know hear about the rebels blowing things up and you know sure like maybe you didn't get to vote before and now you get to vote and that's kind of cool but like (laughs) what what did the Empire ever do to you to deserve that hatred? And I feel like Tam is kind of very much in that mode. Yeah, definitely. Allie, do you have any big Tam feelings? Or is it... <laughs> did Chris <laughs> take them all up? <laughs> I, have, I, have, I have consumed every big Tam feeling in the universe. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um with what we see of her in the first season, it definitely makes sense why she ended up making the choice she did, obviously. While I said before that it would have been nice to see more development outside of being annoyed with Kaz and annoyed not knowing enough, looking back at that now, it makes sense why we got the choice we did with her like in the end, because we did get that build-up where she was constantly annoyed with people not telling her all the things and being annoyed with people lying to her or people just acting suspicious around her Mm -hmm. so yeah that obviously um makes sense and personally yeah i definitely agree with the the fan aspect of like wanting to see how she'll like interact with the first order and like what her place will be in season two i definitely agree with that and one thing i did note was in relation to as we said before with tam and sonara we (laughs) seem to get like a relationship like build up kind of with them or like at least a bond or interactions with them and they were like kind of building upon that especially in uh i think it was sonara's score they had a lot of that and then all of a sudden it kind of got brushed aside and it's like oh now we're just gonna get a lot of interactions between kaz and sonara and i was kind of like excuse me what happened to tam and sonara yup Everything so, I can, doing everything I can to prevent myself from just screaming space lesbians into the mic. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I that was definitely something that I was like, come on, please, more Tim and Sonara. Why do you do this? <laughs> I'm really, I'm with you. I really hope we get that. Yeah, definitely. Especially because, like, I mean, they're, I, I, one of the reasons why I was so excited about them interacting was because there are precious few female friendships in star wars um and we we need those we need more of those so put it back guys <laughs> and even and even fewer are between women of color yes which is which sonara is miri allen but she has a miri allen accent which is vaguely it's like vaguely russian arab like hybrid but like and as we've talked about in the past, aliens are kind of Proxies code for... for people of color mm-hmm. in Star Wars. Yes. Since it's very recent that people of color actually get real roles that aren't Lando. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. So, but like, my point being, 
this is an example of a relationship between two women of color that we don't see. Yes. We just don't see it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we, yeah, no, I just, I was really, I just really wanted to them to have this, I just really wanted Sonara, I knew she was going to like swoop in and like help save the day, but I just wanted that emotional moment between the two of them and it just didn't happen, which is fine, but then I better be getting it next season, you know? <laughs> well, one thing that gives me hope is so EW, I think, did a, um, like a round table with some of the creators of Resistance. Um, Athena was on it. Justin Ridge, the supervising director, was on it. I think maybe a few of the art people. Um, and basically it was like, so like what happens to the Colossus now? Like we, we know they're going somewhere random, but also like there's a lot of people on that ship beyond just yeah. the like 10 who helped saved it. I know. I, I, I remember like we were talking about this after, after the, after the, after we watched the finale, it was like maybe like five hours later, like after we finished watching, we were like still emotionally wrecked. And then suddenly I was like, hold up a minute. There. What? What about the other poor motherfuckers on the ship? They didn't sign up for this. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, it's like the Rogue One moment when Bodhi fires on the Imperial troops and K 2s just like, "You're a rebel now." Like, I feel like Kaz is just like, "Everyone's a rebel now," and everyone else is like, "Huh?" <laughs> I wanted to not be dead. We accomplished that. Let's slow it down a notch. So oh, it'll be interesting yeah. to see how, yeah. particularly the pirates who have yeah. no interest in that in getting involved in this. I would imagine. Dude, Flix and Orca are still in that fucking box. They have no idea what's going on. <laughs> Flix and Orca are still in a damn box. Um, so it'll but be really I interesting. Saw, I saw mm -hmm. somebody tweeting. I don't remember if it was in my group chat or I saw someone tweeting. But there was somebody talking about, like, I wonder how the pirates are, like, what, what are the pirates' role going to be here? Or how are they going to interact with the, the other Colossus people, which they were previously, like, hating and fighting all the time. And people were like did sonara like talk them into this and be like hey they're gonna be nice to you and we can all fight together or something and it's just gonna be interesting to see now how they fit into that and if they like choose to follow everyone or if they have just we just see conflict w between those two groups like throughout the next season or whatever that'll be interesting <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and and from what justin ridge was saying he was hinting that that absolutely is going to be a main feature of season two, <laughs> at least at the start, seeing how all those groups interact. And so like <laughs> seeing like how the pirates interact with Kaz and seeing how Sonara interacts and like if she gets the chance to interact with Tam and ask why, like all these things. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. Um, should we talk about Tora now? My favorite. <laughs> yes. Yeah, let's do it. Allie, I'll let you kick it off. <laughs> I... Honestly, from the very, like, second she was, like, introduced, I'm like, okay, that's my favorite. There we go. Done. But, like, <laughs> seriously, Tora is just so much fun. She's, she's like, even more so than Kaz has, like, that certain, like, positivity and charm and just goofiness that I just love. Especially, I can't get over when, at the end, when Kaz was making his plans and, like, when the CB23 was telling Doza and Tora the plan and, like, Tora gets, like, all excited and then it's like, oh, wait, no, that could be dangerous. But she's, like, just so energetic and so excited to, like, go and do action. And from the very, like, first episode, seeing her, like, race against Kaz and, like, be all teasing, like, oh, no, mm -hmm. you're getting great, Kazuda, and, like, stuff. And it's just... And then later, I, I ship... Kaz and Tam, not Kaz and Tam, Kaz and Tora, I ship them so much, and I just love, like, I've said this in Twitter before, like, I'm like, if it's not a ship, like, I just still love their interactions, like, even just as friends, mm -hmm. honestly, between any of the interactions between the characters in this 
season, I just loved seeing Tora and Kaz's little mini adventures and stuff. And getting to see, like, all the t- situations they would get into and how they get out of them and how Tora was actually suspicious of Kaz being a spy. And Kaz was like, no, I'm not a spy. And then, like, it was just great to see their interactions. And obviously... Tora and Buggles are the best. Buggles is Ugh. the best pet ever. And it's so cute how he, Buggles goes to find Kaz in the finale. And then, oh, it was just great. That like was Seeing those two together. Especially because Tora has to deal with, um, in this season, she has to deal with like being locked in her tower all the time. Because her father is overprotective. And he wants to make sure she's safe with the First Order being around. And so she has to deal with that and it's just so cute how she spends that time with buggles and it's ah it's just so great so yeah that's pretty much what i have to say yeah no one of my one of my favorite small things about the finale like the show is full of uh really great details but one of my favorite things was that buggles just like hopping away on his little chicken legs which is the (laughs) cutest fucking thing i've ever seen (laughs) he's just like boop 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 and it was it's me i'm a sucker for cute things Mm. because you couldn't tell. In case this is your first episode, yeah. Yes, in case you couldn't tell about how much I love my hamster. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I totally, I totally agree. I, to- I, she's, she's such a fun character. She's such a breath of fresh air. I really feel like, um, she, I, I love, love, love her interactions with Kaz. And mm-hmm. you know, as you were saying, um, I, with you know, the relationship, I love how it develops over the course of the season because. Um, you know, at the very beginning, we didn't get a whole lot of the aces. We still haven't really, like, super met all of them. So I wasn't sure, uh, you know, how much we were going to actually wind up seeing of Tora. And I was wound up being very pleasantly surprised by how much of her we actually got. Because I was just like, give me more Tora. She is delightful. Um, and the other thing is that I love that, um, it's pretty clear that, you know, the writers... Um, you know, either of their own volition or, you know, with input from the voice actors really studied um, father-daughter relationships and, like, especially seeing on screen, um, you know, any... Speaking as a um, Chinese-American person with immigrant parent, uh, with an immigrant parent, overprotective immigrant dads is the most real fucking thing. Like, if my dad could have locked me in the house and been like, just play with your dog and do your homework, he totally would have. <laughs> um, you know, like, I mean, my dad, my dad would, my dad totally would fucking, um, you know, sell his soul to a paramilitary group for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so I just, I love, 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 love seeing that. Christopher. Oh, I'm sorry. You're asking for me to do my opinions on Torah. No, I mean, obviously. I won't, no, I'm kicking you because it's fun. I I mean, there's, look me in the eye and tell me that that doesn't happen at, on the daily. I'm not even drinking right now, okay? Like, <laughs> um, I love Torah. I, I think a lot of it has been said. I love, I think that she is a unique character in that she is so relentlessly positive, but not in a stupid way. Like, usually when we see this positivity, it's someone like... I'm trying to think of an example. I'm thinking like Mantis from Guardians of the Galaxy or something like that. Yeah, there's there's a lot happening there, but yeah. Yes. But like, yeah, it's it's this like it's this very understanding and worldly but positive attitude that I really love. Like, and it's just this can do ness. And I also love that just like uh, Mirna Velasco definitely let her accent slip in more and more as the season went on, mm-hmm. and I love it because like it's. 
she's she's such a distinct character now. Like she is, you know, she walks on screen and you know what you're getting. Absolutely. And it's great. Yeah. And we've never had anything like her in Star Wars before. And so it's it's brilliant. I love it so much. Yeah, I mean, she's like the happy-go-luckiness of like a Jar Jar or a Niku, but with like competency. Like really good competency. Well, that then she's also like, I mean, she's an ace pilot. She's a bad bitch. Exactly. So. <laughs> exactly. So, I love it. Like, I, I love dark and gritty, realistic characters as much as the next guy, but sometimes it's like to just have, it's fun to just have a character who is happy and also really good at their shit. Speaking of happy characters, shall we talk about Niku? Yeah, let's talk about Niku. Uh, I just, there are some people I know who like got kind of irritated with him towards the end, but I, I love Niku. He's, he's my <laughs> precious baby. I don't like, again, there, there's, there's a real earnestness to this character that is really pure and genuine and, um, the the sense of loyalty he feels like towards people who are his friends is just it's everything <laughs> yeah for me niku annoyed me at first um because you're a bad person it's fine because i <laughs> one of the one of the tropes of kid shows that i don't particularly enjoy is how there is always the character who is explicitly for comic relief like and it's just you know it, it is what it is and i expected that from niku but as the season went on I actually felt like he got some development of his own, and to me, it feels like his comic relief is not so much done as his expense as someone like a Jar Jar is, um, but Jar- is more done... Jar Jar, Jar Jar is, his whole purpose is to just for us to make fun of Jar Jar, I never heard of it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, But like, I, I, I did feel like Niku had his own character, and I feel like we saw some of it when he's like trying to understand why Kaz would be a spy and lie about it. Because, like, he had that, like, moment of, like... Excuse the why fuck did you me. Like, why would you lie to me? You were dishonest with me? Like, he had that moment. <laughs> and, like... Which is a real, like, a super real reaction, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. to me, I thought they did a good, a better job than they have in the past of balancing the comic relief aspects that were, you know, intentional with Niku with building him into a full character who is not from you know, our human-centric background that we understand their motivations and trying to display how he's thinking without making fun of it. And I don't know that they 100% succeeded, but I thought that they did a better job of that than they have in recent seasons of recent Star Wars creative things. I don't know. Endeavors. <laughs> Words. <laughs> um, and so I was I was actually happy to see that, and I ended up liking him a lot more than I thought I would. Mm, yeah. Allie, I know you love Nico also. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> such a pure child <laughs> yeah and not only does he bring like great comedic like value to the show but also just he's so cute and so pure and so whenever he would get sad there was one time with Bebo but then there was like another oh. time I don't remember when it was but I just remember our group chat was like freaking out with cry emojis because, like, oh. it's when he is sad, it is, like, really sad. Because he's just such, so sweet and pure. And, like, he, like, buys Kaz drinks and, like, tries to, so hard to, like, help and just wants to be cute. And also, one thing I noted with Miku, we got, like, some of the most, like, iconic kind of things. Like, everyone freaked yeah. out about the water bottle. Everyone's oh, currently yes. still freaking out about Blowfish. Like, it's oh, a thing. Oh, my God. I just going I, crazy. Like yes. I don't. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, no, it's super true. I 
my my favorite probably like super super like Niku thing is probably him just being like, "Did you say food? I love food." I'm like, "It's I me. It's yeah. I am Niku. Niku is me." <laughs> and yeah. also like him just oh my god. I I actually I know that people have like a lot of different feelings every time Star Wars does a quote-unquote creature episode. You know, like, we had the Zillow Beast and, like, the Clone yeah. Wars, and then we had the Purgle in Rebels. I loved Bebo, because, like, <laughs> I was, like, um, people who know me know that I'm, like, fucking obsessed with my hamster. People are probably just like, it's a hamster. It's not like you got a dog or anything. I'm like, no, I will protect this thing with my life. Don't say anything bad about my tiny son. <laughs> and I was just like, I relate to this. Just him just being like, but I, but I love. <laughs> um, I'm still, I know that, like, the Colossus is, like, kind of, like, like, sped away from um castle and everything but i'm still hoping that mama bebo comes back to like wreck some first order shit because come on man that'd be badass <laughs> um i think we can yeah let's talk about yeager uh our grumpy dad <laughs> i i lo- i like yeager a lot he's he's probably the character i relate to most as a person who's like 80 years old inside <laughs> Um, I just, like, you know, it makes, again, like, his, you know, given his history, it makes perfect sense why he's so reluctant to, um, help, help Poe out and help the Resistance out, even though, you know, he, he, deep down, he believes in what they're doing. Um, but he also, like, he, he takes a while to warm up, and then he's just, like, he's just, like, there's something soft and squishy on the inside where he just wants to, you know, protect his children. He was like, when he was like so sad after like Tam defected, I was just like, oh, dad, somebody give you a hug. Poor Yeager. Yeah. Poor Yeager, but also like, Tam had reasons. Like, Tam was lied to. No, I know. Like, it's undeniable. I know. I just, poor Yeager. No. Yeager feelings. No, just those. I, I, I felt that it was, that he was one of the most real characters, honestly. Mm-hmm. Because you felt his, why are you dragging me into this bullshit feeling? (laughs) And you felt his pain when, you know, he thought that he and Tam had such a relationship that he could just be like, you need to trust me and leave it alone. And they didn't. And I think he realizes how much he screwed up. And I think that aspect of the relationship and the fact that now it's not Yeager and Tam, it's Tierney and Tam. I know we're going to get to Tierney in the First Order in a minute, Mm -hmm. but like I think that's in large part because she is showing the personal touch and the warmth that Yeager didn't really. Right. Because he is a sad, grumpy dad. Exactly. Aww. Allie, how do you feel about Yeager? Um... I definitely agree. Like, it's like I said before with Kaz, you definitely get to see a lot of him helping Kaz grow, which I think is really cool. And getting to see a lot of that relatability with, like, how he gets dragged in the situation. Like, as soon as Poe shows up, he's like, whenever you show up, it's like something, like, not good for me. (laughs) (laughs) And then he has to, like, learn to accept, like, okay, I have to take Kaz under my wing and, like, help him, like, maneuver his way through working here and like getting his work done so he doesn't get caught and stuff and helping Kaz grow along the way and then like you said it's really sad because I 
I think we do see some interaction between Tam and Jaeger, but, like, most of it's between um, Kaz and Tam and, like, mm-hmm. not so much Jaeger. So when we do see, like, how distraught he is when he's trying to, like, tell her, like, t- to not trust them when he's, like, being dragged to the prison cell and it's, like, really sad. I'm like, oh, wow, there really was something there. That's just oh. really sad. So, like, yeah, but it's just... He, I wrote down, like, even Tam says this in the episode, like, you were like a father to me, like, he is that kind of father role to, like, Niku, Kaz, and Tam. He, like, takes on that role to help, like, watch over them and, like, help them. He's not just their employer, he, like, does care about them a lot, which I think is nice. And then also, he cares a lot about Bucket, especially when, like, Bucket gets, oh. like, shot at in, like, the finale. Like, he's like, Bucket, no! And it's like, oh, oh my heart, yeah. I know, oh my god. I was just like, Literally, like, had to pause it because I was, like, screaming, THEY KILLED BUCKET! <laughs> Which, like, thank God that droids <laughs> hardly ever truly die, but I... Oh, yeah. he's like, oh, this... Bucket's, like, Yeager's senior dog and he loves him deeply. <laughs> right. Aww. I will also say, this is just a quick plug, that the voice acting has just been absolutely phenomenal on all ends. Oh, God, yeah. And mm-hmm. for that to happen so clearly and quickly in season one is... A testament to the casting, it's a testament to the writing, and it's a testament to the work that the actors have done to make us care about these animated characters so deeply after just one season. Oh yeah, there's a lot of love, clearly, that the actors feel for these characters. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it's yeah. super cool. Definitely. I'm still fucking pissed that Chris and I are going to be miss the Resistance panel on Monday, because our- Oh, I am was... too. I'm blowing out on Monday. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm just like, god damn it. Like, I really <laughs> wanted to go. Honestly, they should have- put the resistance panel early and the tpm yeah. panel later mm. whatever whatever it's fine it's fine, <laughs> it's fine. i'm just bitter yeah. speaking of being fine but bitter first order <laughs> yeah right i'm really so part of the reason i'm glad tam went over the first order from a story perspective is because i want to watch the d- relationship between her and tyranny develop we've never had a relationship between two strong black women really for mm-hmm. the most part uh, we've never really had this mother-daughter relationship develop that they seem to be having. Yep. Um, she is fulfilling needs that Tam has, and I think that there's so many interesting directions that they can take it to either, you know, get Tam really indoctrinated. You know, maybe now that she has her, she starts ignoring her, and she tries to make her one a cog in a machine, and so Tam hates it. Like, there's so many different ways that they can do this. Right, yeah. Just my, by nature of the characters themselves. Yeah, my curiosity is that, um, obviously we haven't gotten a lot about the inner workings of the First Order, um, you know, as it is, like, right during The Force Awakens. Like, we have a little bit of um, the history of it in Aftermath and in Phasma, the, the novels. Um, but we don't really have a lot of, like, how it's currently working and we we know from aftermath that um you know it is purposefully a more fanatical and savage and vicious version of the empire yeah and so i just what what is day-to-day like are we just having like fucking like stormtrooper cage fights or like what the fuck is going on over there (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean it'll certainly be interesting yeah totally and i think just one quick plug and then we can maybe start skipping through a few of these but I think part of the reason that the Tierney Tam dynamic does work so well is because of who the characters are in terms of both being black women. And that's something we haven't seen before. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. the fact that Tam going over to the dark side, 
quote unquote is not problematic is because there are more black characters in this show. Mm-hmm. So like you just when you when you include a diverse cast of characters, there's so much more you can do with the story without having to worry about tropes and stereotypes. Yeah. And like and it it's just so much easier to just write a better story and I think this season has been a wonderful example of that. And I mean speaking of writing a better story, like Tame is a fully three-dimensional character, so I don't, you know, again, I don't feel like it's what you were saying. Words, Allie, talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I it like you said, like that that kind of interaction specifically. It was like really nice and refreshing and cool to see. Um, I also noted that we definitely see like in the beginning of their interactions, Tyranny's like has this whole facade like oh, the First Order is only trying to help. It's going to be okay. Like, we're only here to do the best, Tamara. Like, we're trying to help people. Yep. She, like, immediately starts feeding that into Tam's brain. Like, mm-hmm. And Tam, we already see that Tam is more so, like, already trying to be like, oh, they're just doing their job, like, all the time before they um, this all this happens when she's with Kaz and everybody. She's like, oh, they're just trying to do their job. So, like, her tyranny also feeding that to her, like, will definitely help increase her view of that, I guess you could say. And she's, uh, she's, like, and then, like you said, she immediately, like, gives that Tam the things she kind of wants. Like, she's like, you can come with us and be a pilot, and isn't that your dream? And, Mm -hmm. like, she immediately is, like, feeding all these things to Tam, and I think that really, like, helps feed into why Tam makes the decision she does, both feeling that security, that they're doing what's best, and also because people lie to her, and also because she has this opportunity now that she kept thinking that Yeager could give her and she would eventually get it and get it, but, like, she just kept getting lied to and she wasn't getting it and she wasn't getting anywhere and things were only getting worse, like, despite the fact that they couldn't become ace pilots because of the First Order, which they didn't bring up, but, like, um, (laughs) she still wasn't getting the opportunities there, so she definitely saw that presented to her by tyranny, and so that was a way for her to follow through on that. Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. Um, I've got secondary characters, some secondary characters here, but I think we've honestly covered it um, with them, the way they round things out. Um, I think the only thing that I'll add of all our, of her list of secondary characters is that I want and look forward to more characterization of the aces and their history. Yes. Because I think they have a lot to offer that we just haven't scratched the surface of. Definitely. And I, I do think that they're going to dive into them at some point because there's a reason why they were so highlighted, uh, yeah. you know, before the show debuted. So. Yeah, I agree. I, I think agree. that now that battle lines have officially been drawn, mm-hmm. season two is going to be a lot more of looking at characters' motivations past mm-hmm. I do this racing for money. Yes, yep. totally. I, and yeah. then with secondary, I noted that a lot of my friends and I had a lot of love for um, Ansi. There was a lot of love for her, obviously. Yes. And then I also noted that people liked making fun of Rucklin and how he's like the Ken Barbie doll of evil. Yes. So, yeah. Those are the two secondary characters I noted. But yeah. No, I love that. I mean, Chris, I I still I love I love annoying Chris by just doing the hype screaming Rucklin's name. Just like him. Rucklin. Yes. Rucklin! I do that constantly, which is I'm sure my most attractive quality. Mm-hmm. Chris Absolutely. Woodbury. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's really it's really a mating call. Is what it is. <laughs> oh my God! Moving right along. That was a thing that you said. Um, all right. So since this is 
this podcast, I just wanted to talk um, about some connections we have to the larger universe, of which there are, I mean, a few, at least a few of the obvious ones. Um, one of them being, of course, Poe, being, again, another entry point, I suppose, for kids who have seen The Force Awakens to get into this cartoon, to get more into Star Wars. Um, and I think the the most significant thing I probably want to note here is something that Chris has written about in uh, some of his reviews of the show for Tashi Station, is that, like, Oscar Isaac did not phone it in when it came to his voice acting. Like, he did a phenomenal job. Yeah. He hates monkeys. He, he hates, hates them so much. So much. <laughs> <laughs> no, but honestly, like, he did a great job gwendolyn christie did a phenomenal job oh, man. Mm-hmm. um obviously she's not our mother and champion carrie fisher but the uh voice actor for leia did a phenomenal job like all of the you know quote-unquote guest stars who were playing these characters that we know from the movies did like they weren't just there to be there they were there to contribute nailed it <laughs> absolutely um da, da, da. we have of course I, I i love that the battle of jakku has just kind of become a nexus point that connects all so 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 many characters across the star wars universe um you know we've got mm-hmm. thane and sienna from lost stars we've got Aiden and inferno squad from the battlefront video game uh we've got the aftermath crew we've got and now we've got yeager um who like was posing with his buddies in front of that down uh, Star Destroyer that we see. Um, obviously, Ray like, just speeds past bunches and bunches of those. So it was just... It, it, it's a cool tie-in, and, you know, it's such a huge battle that it, make, it, uh, it makes sense that all these people were there, but it, it's also just like, look at all these paths crossing. I love this shit. <laughs> just, it makes me happy in my completionist heart. Yeah. Um, it's think- almost like this is a fully built-out world. <laughs> um... Are there any, like, big tie-ins to The Force Awakens that I'm missing, as, apart from that and, um, Apart from Boom. Yeah, 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 like, apart from <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, I, yeah, I just wrote Battle of Jakku, um, Starkiller Base, and also there were some, there was Kylo name drops. Yes. So yes. we obviously had that, yeah. Oh my gosh. I was, I was wondering if Kylo's gonna pop up. I feel like yeah. he might. I feel like it's a voice that's probably pretty easy to imitate because you, you have to, like, run it through this <laughs> stupid mask recorder thing you bob, thing about Bob anyway, so I don't know. We'll see. Also... It'll be interesting yeah. because I think it'll... I... I could see it going either way because I could definitely see them doing it. I could see Adam Driver doing his voice. Um, but at this point, it would have to be post-TLJ. Ooh. And just by nature of when season two comes out versus when episode nine comes out, mm-hmm. I doubt that we would get anything on Kylo Ren post TLJ before episode yeah. nine comes out. Yeah. So, and then obviously during episode nine, there's plenty of speculation on all sides about what might happen to Kylo, but it'll be a whole interesting dynamic. So I, motherfucker. I kind of, I kind of, feel like if kylo was going to pop up in person he would have done so this season but you know prove me wrong you never know one never does mm-hmm. um ooh, so here's a good one uh there was the episode where um kaz and power you know sniffing around uh various like i don't know first order past haunts or whatever the hell mm-hmm. um they station come to- theta black 
Thank you. I don't know. Or the one with the drilled. Whatever one that about. There was like two. I yeah. Don't... Uh, well, whatever the fuck one it was, where um they they were at on this planet and uh they come to a village that's been completely destroyed and they have no sense of when it was destroyed or anything, but also there's a temple there and I uh, you know there's speculation about whether this is Luke's training temple temple mm, i can't yeah. talk temple that <laughs> kylo and his little motherfuckers destroyed yeah i yeah. i need to know more mm-hmm. yeah there's speculation about that there's also speculation there's a symbol above the temple door yeah. that is mm-hmm. the same as uh one of the necklaces of the boys from tahar oh, so shit. there's speculation it's their yeah. city um it, it could frankly be both like yeah. they could be from a community near luke's temple um, okay, no, you know, I, we see they're testing all these planets, which means presumably that Starkiller base is not that far away. Mm-hmm. So like this could, you know, for strong world, like, I think, I think there's a lot more to discover for sure. Yeah. I have questions. I have many questions <laughs> about what the fuck Luke was doing between Endor and when we see him being a depressed hermit on Octo. <laughs> so I... Yeah, we're not I gonna would, get any would, answers anytime soon because nine's not out yet. But I want to know. <laughs> oh, I know, and I guarantee you, they're not gonna announce any books on that at Celebration. Yeah, they wouldn't do it until after nine. Damn it, Chris! What are you doing <laughs> over here? You're just like whacking the table. You're yeah. whacking the microphone. What are you? Yeah. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> um, all right. So this is opening us up to sp- speculation pod. Uh, where where do we think the Colossus is going? Batu. Yeah. If they're not going to Batu, I will eat my hat that I am not wearing. Like, <laughs> You'll eat the easiest to digest hat you have. <laughs> yes. Like I'm I am not a big cynical, oh, Disney just wants to make money on their tie-ins guy. Like oh that's not really me, but like if they don't go to Batu, like I will be floored. Yes. Like we know it's they're excited about Galaxy's Edge. There's Galaxy's Edge books coming out in the fall. Like and yeah. I mean, there's comics happening right now. We and, know some, the resistance is going to be there at some point. And I mean, at the point where like they they know they're going to a place that could very well be the middle of nowhere. Batu is the middle of fucking nowhere. <laughs> Batu is in fact the middle of nowhere. It is the goddamn boonies of the galaxy. Nobody knows where that is. So I don't know, <laughs> Allie. What do you think about all this? I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I haven't really thought about that much yet. I I definitely agree, though. That that would definitely be interesting. And yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It'd be be an intriguing option. Yes. Yes. Any connection stuff that we missed that y'all wanted to talk about? Uh, I mean, you you wrote down a few things here about other tie-ins we could see specifically with characters. You know, the characters that we do know are alive right now: Zay and Shriv from Battlefront. I really, really want them to pop up at some point. Yeah. Zay uh, is a fun character. Snap Wexley, Snap Wexley Jessica Pava, Kari Kuhn, uh, and the rest of Black Squadron. Mm-hmm. We know they're around. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wedge Antilles, theoretically, around. Mm-hmm. It's, as a character, he is still alive. Lando. Lando. No, could could get involved. He strikes me as a guy that might know Batu. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. Especially since Batu is mentioned in Solo, A Star Wars Story. So it is. So it is. <laughs> I had forgotten about that yeah. momentarily. Um, yeah, I mean, that's what I want 
out of next season besides knowing more about the aces like that's really what i want out of next season is hopefully for them to tie together some of this some of the other storylines into into the show yeah i mean i think i think the big thing is nine is going to come out and this is going to be the ongoing piece of media in that um segment of the timeline that has the ability to keep tying this stuff and interconnecting itself Mm -hmm. in a way that books can't really and there aren't any other tv shows in that area right now Mm -hmm. so like while i understand why there weren't as many explicit tie-ins in rebels because you know they obviously had to work within what they had from a new hope in rogue one there weren't as many tie-ins so far because they want to keep nine under wraps because that's the priority right now i get it but like they all have a wide open world for the first time really ever. Totally. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes and what kind of tie-ins and, and intersections we, we meet. Mm-hmm. We'll have a lot to talk about for sure. Totally. Allie, what do you want out of season two? Um, definitely. Um, <laughs> oh, geez. Um, honestly, just anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, just more, please. Um, if not direct tie-ins to the resistance, I definitely say like more like if they don't have direct interactions, definitely more like just general tie-ins to that, like more so resistancey kind of aspect, because especially now that we've left the Colossus, I think. Um definitely will be interesting to see like where the characters go from here and like what their next like journeys are and adventures and like what they're like now that they're not trapped on the station, like it leaves a lot more open, especially, like, I saw somebody mention this, but, like, it's just, like, with Rebels and how for season one we were largely tied to Lothal, and then once we left Lothal, we had, like, a lot more options of where we could go and, like, where we could eventually, like, we still came back to Lothal, but we, like, still had, like, more time to go other places and stuff. So, similar to now with Resistance, we definitely have more options of, like, more kind of freedom to, like, experiment with different kinds of things, so I think that'll be really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, just to build off of what you said, I think uh, the first season of the show has really proven that, you know, like, I think it's really earned my trust anyway as a viewer. So like, you know, wherever they want to take it, man, Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. I will go and I will be mm-hmm. happy about it. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Can't wait. All right. Well, I think that takes us to a nice stopping point. Uh, before we do our usual wrap up, Allie, can you please tell our listeners where what projects you're working on and where they can find your stuff sure um i my main twitter is at ali underscore m underscore andrews that's like my main account and then i also have a podcast knights of ren at knights of ren um currently i'm on a hiatus because my co-host left me and i'm too socially awkward to ask a guest for every episode, but my next plan is to do an Ezra episode as I'm doing character episodes for all of the Rebels characters. Um, that's my plan. I'm either going to find guests for that or wait till I can find a new co-host. So, yeah, my podcast is currently up in the air, but yeah, definitely Knights of Ren. Um, follow that. I should hopefully have more episodes out soon. And, yeah, and then besides that, I kind of, I tweet about Star Wars. I do commissions, art, other stuff <laughs> cosplay fun stuff yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty much it yeah no <laughs> Ali's art is lovely and um if anybody's listening wants to 
do a podcast with her. She is super cool. Yeah, so. yeah any extra stands? <laughs> anybody who wants to be given a mic to tell me how bad, how much I'm wrong? I mean, we love telling you you're wrong. So it's, I, I gotta say, it's really fun. Yeah, the, wouldn't be wouldn't be different. Wouldn't be a different experience. <laughs> um, cool. Well, Allie, thank you so much for joining us. We've loved having you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely. So um, fun. And then in the meantime, for our listeners, um, I believe as you listen to this, if our scheduling works as intended, which is always a little bit touch and go these days, <laughs> we are expecting to have our next episode of Aftermath. Sorry, you're like touching me with your fucking disgusting feet and I don't <laughs> like it. They've got socks and like the, there's the... the, the your toes are, are existing. I don't like it. Get okay. away from me. I apologize for accidentally <laughs> kicking you. It was it was very alarming. You weren't just kicking me. You were like all up in my space. Like uh, anyway, uh, marriage, our, guys. Our, <laughs> I believe our next episode will be uh, on Empire's End by Chuck Wendig, uh, chapter eleven through the um, interlude on Coruscant. I think that's the episode that's going to be released. Or did we already release that? I don't know. No, we, no I, don't think, I don't think we did. We didn't, right? No. No, we were just recorded that yesterday. Oh, that's what we recorded yesterday. Yeah. Sorry, I'm all lost. We have no idea what we're doing, guys. Did we release the first episode? Yeah. Okay. It's been a week, y'all. Um, <laughs> all right. In the next two days, on Thursday, as you're listening to this, uh, we're aiming to release this episode Tuesday. On Thursday, you'll hear our second episode on Empire's End. Uh, so read up on chapters 11 through the interlude on Coruscant. And then after that, uh, you have a week later to look forward to our third episode on Empire's End, chapters 21 through 31. In the meantime, and for clarification on whatever it is that I just said, hit us up <laughs> on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr at bookwarspod, bookwarspod at gmail.com. Uh, rate, review, and subscribe to both us and the Tashi Station Radio Mega Feed. Really helps others discover the show and help the you know positive Star Wars community that we are trying to build. Uh, whenever you leave a review, and when you leave a review, you have a chance to win free books and pins and all sorts of fun prizes. So no better time than right now if you're listening and you have not left a review on iTunes. Uh, also, if you uh, have the means and are so inclined, please donate to the Tashi Station Radio Patreon page. Uh, it helps us coast our hosting and production costs, as well as uh, giving to giving us coffee at ko-fi.com slash bookwarspod. Uh, again, very helpful to us as we aim to keep the show running. Um, a couple other housekeeping notes just to remind folks, we are little more than two weeks away from Star Wars Celebration Chicago. Ah. <laughs> we are thrilled. We're excited. We cannot wait to hang out with all of you as well. Um, a bunch of podcasts led by the Coffee with Kenobi Network are putting together one big um, hangout on Saturday evening of the con. So if you're going to be at Star Wars Celebration and you're free Saturday at 730, we're going to be hanging out at the Ark at the Hyatt Regency Hotel, which is the one right next to the convention center. Nice and easy. Um, we'll be there. Tons of other podcasts will be there. Come and say hi. We want to meet you. Yay. And a little further in the future, about a month from now is AwesomeCon, which is DC's uh, big yearly convention. Uh, we were proud to have a panel last year. We're proud to be bringing that panel back this year with myself, Kate, uh, 
at Chaos Bria from the Toshi Station Network, and a few other fun surprise guests that we are not quite ready to announce, but we think it's going to be a really good conversation. If we can get them, otherwise it's just going to be us, and I will fill the other chairs with my stuffed animals, I guess. Yeah, that works. <laughs> we'll bring Porkchop. Aww, he would hate it. He would. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Uh, our theme song is Whizbang by Pottington Bear. Our logo and artwork are by Joe Gutierrez Design. For Kate and Knights of Wren's Alley, thank you both for joining us. I'm Chris, and we will talk to you all next time.